0: Welcome to a new episode of 49ers Talk on NBCSportsBayArea.com. Introducing your hosts, 49ers insider Matt Mayoko and 49ers host Laura Britt. This is 49ers Talk brought to you by Big O' Tires. I'm Matt, that's easy to pronounce, and you are? Laura, is that hard to pronounce? Well, I think I've always kind of said it wrong. You say Laura, I've always just gone Laura.
1: See, you know what's funny about that? I've kind of gotten that because I guess some people spell it L A R A, but that would be Lara. Well it?
0: L-O-R-A is another way. Laura. Yeah. Laura. No. But you you really when I when you introduce yourself or you say your name, you really like enunciate the Laura.
1: Laura Well, that might be the Southern in me though.
0: Okay. There you go. Maybe.
1: Hey. So I, you I know I've what's funny? I have actually heard this though. Oh,
0: what's and that? I don't
1: really I can't really tell a difference in how you say it and how I say it.
0: I say Laura. Laura. But then when but now I've started saying Laura, Laura.
1: <laughs> I'm trying <laughs> to make you Southern little bit by little bit.
0: You know what? And I reached out uh, to Twitterverse, 49ers Twitterverse for questions. And yeah. one of the questions, and we'll do this later in the show here, but one of the questions was why don't I hear Laura's, see how I did that? Laura. Laura's Southern accent. So you oh wow yeah you don't like it i think
1: it just if you listen for it i think you'll hear it sometimes i i'm a big y'all person okay i think you guys is trying to make yourself your life difficult y'all is so easy you guys just takes a lot of effort mm-hmm.
0: yeah no y'all you know
1: do. yeah so y'all I, I drop a lot of y'alls um yeah I, I get that a lot too like where is your accent and if you go back and watch i think i, I was in chicago before coming to san francisco And I think just moving around, both of my parents don't have heavy accents. Neither of them do. And I don't think my brother or sister do either. I think, and then moving to Chicago and moving out here, you just kinda, I don't know. I don't think I've ever had a a super heavy one, but I definitely have had one. I I went back and watched my early TV stuff and it's-
0: Really? Thick. We
1: might need to play one of those clips.
0: Sometimes. Pretty thick accent. And guess what, Laura? We are in the thick of the football season because now...
1: We're not that, in the thick of the football season. Well, we're,
0: well, we're getting close to the thick. Yeah. I guess every every second that passes brings us one second closer to opening... The football. thick
1: of the football season.
0: Yeah. Okay. You're right. We're not in the thick of it because we're not in the thick of it. We still don't know exactly how the 2021 San Francisco 49ers are going to look like there are certain things that we still really don't know. And obviously when the football season starts, the team you see week one is, is constantly evolving. But as we look ahead to this game against the Detroit lions on Sunday, there are certain game to
1: look ahead to, by the way, we
0: actually have a game to look a real game, a real game, but there are certain Aspects of this team on offense, defense, and heck, even on special teams, where we don't know exactly what's going to happen. And obviously, Kyle Shanahan kind of likes that there's some bar, some mystery. Uh, you know, he doesn't want the Detroit Lions to know exactly what's going on. So, with that in mind, as we start to now pinpoint and that week one opponent. Let's talk about some of the things that we don't know exactly how they're going to play out, but we're very curious to see how it plays out in week one. So I guess we could start with the obvious one. What's that? That would be the quarterback situation, <laughs> Laura. That would be Jimmy <laughs> so Garoppolo. I was going to try and avoid
1: that topic altogether. On oh, I like this topic. Weekend. I think
0: a, I think it's a fun topic.
1: It is fun. It, it's fun yeah. to think about because it's unique. It's unique. You don't have, you know, it's not Aaron Rodgers. It's not Tom Brady. It's not a solidified deal. You've got to wait and see. And how will, like, I, I really, I really don't know. Trey Lance is going to get used, yeah. right? He's going to get used at, at some point. I'm wondering more, like, what percentage is that? Mm-hmm. Yep. Is, and, and does that start in week one?
0: And or, in what situations?
1: And in what situations? So, it's, there's there are so many questions surrounding that that I'm having a hard time. Like I think, I think we'll see him in week one.
0: So we know Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starter, 100. percent And then as Trey Lance as this week evolves, we'll see what's up with Trey Lance's finger and how much practice he's able to to take part in in Santa Clara on Wednesday and Thursday. So that's all to be seen. But you know what we don't know in Kyle Shanahan has said this. He wants Jimmy Garoppolo to play. He doesn't want him to go another season without him playing meaningful football. So it's just a matter of how much. And I know that he's going to try to find packages in every game where he can mix them in, where there's going to be opportunities for him to have a great deal of success. So from that standpoint, it's going to be just kind of a week-to-week thing depending on the opponent and what the 49ers have up their sleeve as far as game planning but this is specifically we're talking about week one against Detroit and I think it's probably going to be a subject we could hit every week of the season how much is he going to play this week how much is he going to play you know so uh, and and in what situations but I think just initially it'll be interesting to see the first time they make that substitution, assuming it happens Sunday against the Detroit Lions, and just exactly get more of a a feel for what Kyle Shanahan's mindset is on how to incorporate Trey Lance into the offense.
1: One thing that I think relieves some of the pressure off of this entire situation is Trey Lance's microchip, um, non-computerized microchip, and Mm -hmm. actually, it's not a fracture, so you can't call it, it's a chip, of a bone finger sounds so weird to say he's got a microchip in his finger um but some of the pressure is off of this situation because if Kyle Shanahan decides not to play Trey Lance at all in week one that wouldn't be very surprising considering he's got an injury now if he doesn't have the injury then I think more questions come in well is is Trey Lance not ready did, did he just not want to spoil some special package that he has for Trey Lance? Does he want to save that for later? I, I think with week one, now he's got a little bit of a buffer, and it takes some of the pressure off. Maybe they just want Trey Lance to go out there. This is an away game. He's new to the NFL. And experience it all. Mm-hmm. It's, it's probably very overwhelming, I would think, as a rookie, to step foot on an NFL football field in a, in a real game. And so maybe this is an opportunity where they just let him take it all in.
0: Yeah, I. I but I do think that – well, to me, the interesting part is something that, I mean, I'm not smart enough to know these defenses that they're going to be going up against. But I would think Kyle Shanahan is so good about knowing the defense and the personnel on the defense that I think that it's going to continually be – I wouldn't say a work in progress, but more just kind of a week-to-week proposition because there might be some games where Kyle Shanahan will say that defensive end, the way he plays read options, sets up well for Trey Lance to get out there. And it might be, you know, whenever a certain defensive player is on the field that they feel like they can exploit, okay, Trey, get in there, let's do this. And then, you know, once you, you would assume early on that, he's going to be in there to run the ball and to run the read option. But the defense also thinking along those lines uh, might kind of sell out to stop that, which might open up things in the passing game. So it's going to be always what the defense gives the 49ers. That's what they've always done. If the defense does this, then the offense is going to do this and that's the way they're coached. So, That'll be kind of the, the chess match that happens that um, very few people probably watching on TV will be able to really analyze that and see what's going on. But, you know, hopefully we'll learn about those things later of, you know, why did you do this? Well, it's because the defense did this. And that's going to be constantly changing. And, you know, the Detroit Lions in a lot of way are kind of the, the guinea pigs here, right? Because they're going to be the first ones to see this and then how they react is going to set it up for the Philadelphia Eagles week two. You know, if the the Lions have success, the Eagles are going to replicate that. The 49ers know that the Eagles will replicate that. And so it's going to be this constant churn of what we show one week, how we're defended one week is going to set it up for uh, the next game. So it's, it's going to be this just, like I said, just basically a constant churn of how they, the 49ers, can use Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo together as part of a game plan to help them ultimately win games, which Jimmy Garoppolo says is all they're trying to do.
1: Yeah, and one thing that I've I've gotten to be around our new colleague Joe Staley quite a bit here over the past few weeks, and one of the the great things about having his you know perspective is he played under Kyle Shanahan, so I get to ask him you know questions and get real honest answers about what's currently going on. And one of the things that it, that Kyle Shanahan is big on, and this is no secret, but it, it's a good reminder, is finding those mismatches, mm-hmm. finding the mismatch in the defense. And so I think that's something to always be looking for with Kyle Shanahan. And I think he'll definitely utilize that as well in determining which quarterback he wants to put in and how best he can find a weakness in the defense dependent on who he's got under center. So that's, that's a whole other aspect, and, and Joe brought that up recently, and I think that that's something good to keep in mind, too, that that's it. Kyle Shanahan is this offensive genius, and a lot of it is because he looks, he studies the details of the opposing defenses and is able to find you know, intricacies and mismatches.
0: Yeah, and and so we're I, the running game is set up for the 49ers to be very good, and I, I think it could be even better than it was in 2019 when it was pretty darn good. Then the the passing game though, um, well, it still has George Kittle, so that's you know right, right, right off the top. Yep, that's that's not a worry. Um, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. As I kind of hinted at, or maybe I just flat out said it on the last episode of 49ers Talk, you know Brandon Ayuk is somebody that I, I expected a little bit more from him in training camp. But now the season's starting, and he's got to kind of ramp his game up a little bit. There's Trent Sherfield, who was really impressive, and a guy who just, you know, who was it? Mohamed Sanu calls him textbook Trent, because everything he does is just the way you should do it. And that was a guy we really knew nothing about when the 49ers signed him as a free agent from the Arizona Cardinals. We knew he was a good special teams player. We had no idea he could be a wide receiver. And honestly, Laura, there were times in training camp where I thought, man, he looks better than Brandon Ayuk. So there might be, you might see Sherfield mix in quite a bit when the 49ers are in two wide receiver Situations, but you know, ultimately, who's going to be that number three receiver? Who's going to be the number four? You know, Mohamed Sanu is on the team, of course. You have Juwan Jennings and Jalen Hurd, so just kind of seeing that rotation of receivers and do they have enough depth to really stress a defense? We'll see. That's another thing that I'm kind of curious to see on Sunday against the Lions. Is exactly. How much each wide receiver plays, and if they're in there for whether specific routes or specific uh, down and distance situations. So, um, and we'll see if Brandon Ayu kind of turns it on once the regular season starts and shows what he did for through a good portion of his rookie season.
1: Yeah, our, our colleague Jennifer Lee Chan has a great article right now over on NBCSportsBayArea.com about the wide receivers, but it's specifically about a detail about the wide receivers, and I find this kind of fascinating. The average height of the six wide receivers that made the initial 53-man roster for the Niners went up by five inches.
0: You're talking the average?
1: The average height went up wow. by five inches compared to the 2018 wide receiver group. So if you want to read more about that, yeah, JLC, no, that's... got that. But that's wild.
0: that is, that is wild that they, that they've really switched. I, I remember when Kyle Shanahan first came to the 49ers, he talked a lot about what he looks for in wide receivers. And the number one thing was he wants wide receivers who can separate, which is very much understandable. Well, there are two ways to separate, right? You can either get a, you know, you can gain distance on the guy that's covering you through your legs, right? In, in that was my that was my yeah, best no, that was running. Good. Yeah, I didn't know what you. Were, I thought you might be like chopping up onions or something for us. No, you first. know,
1: you know, in uh, Dumb and Dumber, and he goes, yeah. like, Harry, okay. it feels like I'm running at an incredible rate."
0: <laughs> wow, I just hope that doesn't start a trend and people refer to us as Dumb and Dumber. Anyway. Well, probably already do. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and the other way to gain separation is vertically right? I guess I could have said horizontally through running or vertically through, through, um, through height and we jumping. We figure
1: this out as we go along.
0: Yeah. That's so uh, maybe we should, we should have edited that in, but oh, wow. Well, nah. let's, let's go organically. Uh, so yeah, horizontally and, and vertically. So, so that'll be interesting. That's an interesting fact that JLC brought up about the, the height. I, it hadn't dawned on me, but that was good of her to, to kind of put that uh, together.
1: So Shanahan has also said some things about this wide receiver group. He said, "I like the versatility of the group. I'm excited about where we're heading into the season." And I think the uh, a differentiator between this wide receiver group, as opposed to what you see elsewhere, they call them the Yak. You know, well, it's not just in the wide receiver group. You got George Kittle as part of the Yak Bros too. But mm-hmm. these are big dudes that can run people over. So you not yeah. only have ability now with height and some speed you also have guys that aren't scared to run with the football
0: yeah that's a good point like they don't once they catch the ball they make the defensive backs work to bring them down you know Debo Samuel turns into a running back Brandon Iuke turns into a hurdler in some cases you have Juwan Jennings who is kind of Anquan bolton esque with his ability to just try to run people over. Uh, Mohamed Sanu and, and Jalen Hurd, um, I guess, in that same vein, although we really haven't seen Jalen Hurd. So, yeah, that's that'll be something to keep an eye on. Um, and Then I look over at the defensive side. You know, they have so much depth on the defensive line that seeing that rotation of how they're going to use guys, how many guys are going to be in uniform for that game – and how much they play. If they suit up eight guys for a game, are those eight guys going to play an equal amount? Or are you going to have a guy like Armstead, who's kind of been a workhorse, play more when Nick Bosa was healthy? He played a lot. But are you going to?
1: I feel like Bosa's going to play a lot.
0: I I just do. Yeah. And I know it's coming off
1: an injury, but with all just seeing him first off, and then hearing coaches fellow teammates talk about he's in the his dad he's in the best shape of his life I think I don't think they're going to be holding back on Bosa maybe I'm wrong on that but I don't I don't think they are
0: I think I my guess is that they would want to even though it's going to be difficult to get him off the field you know it's going to be tough for them to say um, hey go in you know like hey Nick take this series off but I think they have to I think they – you have to kind of – I don't think you can just go from zero to 100, right, like that. I think they need to kind of work him in. He hasn't played a snap of football, you know, with pads on. He hasn't played football since week two of the 2020 season. So I think they have to – they have to kind of manage that uh, as as they have to with D Ford as well.
1: One thing that you said kind of reminded me – I. Uh, of a major league baseball reference. I do view Nick Bosa kind of like a starting pitcher, you know, when the, when your skipper comes out to try and take the ball away from you, like he's, he's putting up a fight to, to get him off the field. It's not going to be, he seems like the guy that's standing there going, put me in coach. Yeah. (laughs) And I I do, it it will be, I mean, they've got to take care of him and he knows that and they want what's best. And he knows how valuable he is to this team too. So I'm just really excited that guys are healthy and I know that the, the locker room's got to be excited that they're healthy and fans certainly are the coaching staff that's the 2020 season was just such a letdown it was disappointing because of the injuries and there's nothing you can do about it and so just seeing that guys are healthy and, and guys don't always bounce back from injuries like this so that's not something to just skip right over either.
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, the the defensive line, the pass rush they're able to generate. Another thing that I'm really interested in that kind of ties to that is how they're going to use Fred Warner. You know, he's, he's a great tackler sideline to sideline. He's probably the best linebacker in the game as far as covering running backs out of the backfield or tight ends or heck even slot receivers when they go across the middle. But the one area where I think he can do a lot more, and I think D'Amico Ryans, the defense coordinator, is also thinking along these lines, he can make more plays in the backfield. You know, he can shoot those gaps. He can take a running back down for a two-yard loss. He can blitz and get after the quarterback. He can create more havoc. And now that he's, you know, a, a nicely compensated football player, you know, they can ask more of him. The question is then for D'Amico Ryans, who isn't really that far removed from being a very good linebacker in the NFL himself. The question is, if you start putting more on his plate and have him doing things that he didn't necessarily do in the past, do you at some point kind of take away from all the great things he did in the past? You know, if, if he's rushing the quarterback on third and six. That means he's not covering the tight end on third and six.
1: Yeah. And do you so, gas a guy, you know, when you're doing that kind of stuff? Cause that can easily happen to a defense that plays as fast and tough as the Niners defense. Does. Fred
0: Warner does not get tired.
1: <laughs> is that what you've learned?
0: That he does not get tired. No. He's like Have you seen Fred buddy. Warner? He's, he's, he's an impressive guy. And yes, he, he
1: really is. an impressive. Yeah. Guy.
0: And so he probably does get tired, but uh You've never seen it. I've never seen it. I've never seen it, no.
1: Hey, Matt, did you actually go to a national park if you didn't get a t-shirt?
0: Oh, I shouldn't say this story. I'm going to tell you something that's going to disappoint you beyond belief.
1: Oh, what's that?
0: I've been to, a couple summers ago, I think we went to like six national parks. We did this driving tour. You know, We went to six national parks. I've lived my entire life in California You've
1: I've, never been to Yosemite.
0: I've never been to Yosemite.
1: What are you doing? <laughs>
0: Please don't tell anybody that.
1: I won't this is no, not gonna this, get out anyway. Okay, this, this will be
0: question. our little secret. Okay, let's Wow, uh,
1: well that's in. actually great because you know what? You can't see everything early in your life. You've gotta save some things for now. And yeah. now you've you've got time yeah, after better, football season. You
0: know how old I am, or I better get going. <laughs> you've and, got
1: time, you're gonna have to wait until February now. Yeah. But maybe next True. summer. There's always okay. next summer.
0: There's always next summer when the crowd. We should definitely just... do it
1: though. I, I took the family. We went on a trip to, to Yosemite and to anybody that's been, I don't have to tell you how amazing it is. It was, it was a great getaway and not far, not far from the Bay area.
0: Okay. Uh, it's uh, you're about the You're about the 900th person who's told me that, that I need to get my butt there. Hey, you know where I'm going to take a trip to right now? I'm going to to Detroit to to get a perspective on the Lions, the 49ers' first week opponent. And that'll be coming up right after this word from Big O Tires. It's Big O
2: Tires Labor Day Sale. Save up to $190. That's up to $70 via MasterCard reward card on select tires, plus free basic installation, plus up to $120 in mail-in rebates on purchases of $500 or more with a Big O card.
0: Only at Big O. All right, we're back on 49ers Talk, and we're going to bring in someone who knows all about the 49ers' week one opponent, the Detroit Lions. That's Dave Burkett of the Detroit Free Press. He's a beat writer. Follow him on Twitter at Dave Burkett, D-A-V-E-B-I-R-K-E-T-T. Dave, I'm Matt. She's Laura. Are you ready to talk some football? Let's do it. We're here, right? Week one, finally it it is finally and there's a whole new era there in Detroit Lions football so catch us up on we saw Dan Campbell get introduced as the head football coach in January where are the lions right now as they prepare to face the 49ers well Look,
2: I don't think they're going to be a very good football team this fall, but I do think the organization is is pointed in the right direction for maybe the first time in a, a very long time. Um, you know, Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes, uh, the new general manager, have both done some really good things. Um, I think there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of buy-in within the organization players upstairs coaching staff. Everyone seems to be on the same page. That hasn't always been the same case out here. So um, look, there's going to be some rough patches. I think you look at the talent on the Lions' roster compared to a lot of the other teams in the NFL. It's it's maybe not quite there yet. Um, but you know, if you're if we're if we're talking about where this program is headed, and after you know not winning a playoff game for the past 30 years, um, at least there's some good things uh, going on here in Detroit.
1: From the the NFC West perspective, obviously the Niners are used to seeing Jared Goff over the past few years. What's it been like for him getting in over there? What are you know, the Lions expecting from Jared Goff this season?
2: Yeah, Laura, look, you know, I I think um, there's a lot of unknowns, frankly, you know, I mean, Matthew Stafford was here for 12 years, and um, he was the best quarterback most Lions fans have seen in their lifetimes. I mean, that that's how bad football has been here. And Jared Goff is not Matthew Stafford, um, you know, but I don't really know that the Lions know what he is, you know, they they they're willing to find out. That's why they didn't draft a quarterback. You know, Jared Goff is 26 years old. He had some success in LA as as you guys know. Um and so I, I think the Lions are hoping that, you know, maybe a change of scenery does him well, but uh you know, he doesn't have many receivers to throw to. You know, the uh the team is is fairly thin overall, so um, the team isn't quite pinning its hopes, or the organization isn't quite pinning its hopes on him being the quarterback of the long term yet. But they they are interested to see if if maybe he can revitalize his career here and, and be that at some point for the Lions.
0: Yeah, before we talk about the the Lions of of this season, it, let's let's talk a little bit about Stafford. You know, obviously he's coming to the NFC West. Forty Nine ers will face him twice every year that he's with the Rams. Um, well, what did you hear during that time when, when it was clear that he's, he was going to be moving on? The 49ers were interested in some degree. I don't know exactly how much, but I know they were very disappointed when he went to the Rams because Kyle Shanahan had a very high opinion of him. So how, do you, how did that all go down? And, and do you think in, in your reporting that the 49ers were really involved in that? Or was he kind of going to be going to the Rams all along?
2: Yeah, I, I think there were six to eight teams that were, you know, in the the Stafford sweepstakes to to some level. And I guess the 49ers would be one of those that that um, at least there was an inquiry. I don't know how deep it got. I think at the end of the day, it was really the Rams, the Carolina Panthers were maybe the other team. Indy was the team that I, I know I had heard. I know Washington was another team. But I think at the end of the day, it was really, you know, Matthew wanted to – he didn't necessarily want to get to go to Carolina. Didn't see that as a winning situation. Um, Carolina made a very strong offer. Um, you know, I, obviously the, the Rams um, and the Lions eyes topped that with two first-round picks. I don't, I don't know what San Francisco's offer was. I don't know how close that came. I think maybe there was a, an inquiry, a back and forth, but I, I, I would hesitate to say they were very serious suitors just because I don't know that they were going to give up the the type of draft compensation that the Lions required to to move Stafford, and that, you know, frankly, uh, several other teams were willing to to meet.
1: All right, I'm tired of talking about the past. I'm ready to look forward to week 1. This is what this is the good stuff. This is what people want to know. Yep. All right, what? I'm I'm cutting straight to the chase here. What do you think the Lions are going to struggle the most with in week 1 against the Niners?
2: Um throwing the football. I, I just I mean you know watching look I mean this sort of ties in with the golf and Stafford that we were just talking about right people have have asked me you know sort of what the difference is between the two or what do I think watching golf and golf. you know he's a good quarterback I don't think anyone can take that that from him but um, I you know he just he's he's a little more risk averse than than Stafford you know Matthew had the type of arm that he was willing to just sling it downfield and in tight windows and he's throwing the ball and it didn't matter and you know, maybe sometimes that was to his detriment. And I think what we've seen a lot from this offense so far is, is the short passing game, play it safe. Uh, You know, there are some shots built into it, but they don't always seem to take those and, and just given the weapons that are around, you know, Jared, I just don't know that. I don't know how much success this, this offense is going to have throwing the ball, especially given the pass rush of of the 49ers. You know, I don't, I don't envision that they want to hold the ball long and, and, and take some of those shots. So, um, it's important, obviously, that the Lions don't turn the ball over. That's, you know, I sat down with Dan Campbell, um, you know, last week, and he had, you know, me, uh, he said, this is our margin for error this year, right? So so he he realizes where the Lions are at, and, and one of those things that they need to do is to have a plus turnover ratio. But I, I think the Lions offense is going to struggle a little bit early on as, as everyone sort of gets used to these moving parts. Anay Sewell, a rookie right tackle who's going to be very good but is a rookie – uh, and then, some of the the lack of weapons in the passing game that, that Jared Goff has
0: I was going to ask you about Panay Sewell, uh, the rookie coming in from Oregon, uh, Chris Koserek, who is there as the lion's defensive line coach for a long time man he has a he has a squad with the 49ers they 're deep uh, they 're talented. Nick Bosa looks good, even though he hasn 't played a game in almost a year. How did Sewell how did he progress through camp? How did he look in the preseason games and are they going to have to give him a lot of help if he's lined up against Nick Bosa?
2: Yeah, I would think so. Um, look, and, and, we know what Chris Kisarg does up here, right? Cause like you said, he was here for a long time and he did great things with the lions pass rush. And, um, look, Sewell looks good at times. I mean, you can tell he's a really athletic guy for 335 pounds and 6'5 and whatever he is. I mean, he, he's a big dude and, and he's he's going to be a good player in time. But, um, you know, there's a lot, there's, there's a big learning curve that he has to overcome. He did not play football last year, right? He opted out of the season. So, um, yes, he's played uh, almost a, a full game's worth of snaps in the preseason, but really he hasn't played um, a game in 19-20 months, you know, since since Oregon's Rose Bowl game in the in 2019 season. So he struggled a little bit with pass rush uh, this preseason. He's been going against Romeo Aquara, who's a pretty good rusher in his own right. So um, he's had some experience, but I do think the Lions will give him a lot of help. And the one thing I can say about that is with Taylor Decker on the left side, with Frank now at center, you know, with a pretty good offensive line overall, um, the Lions can afford to give him help there and, and and count on their other veterans up front to win their one-on-one battles.
1: You talked about the Niners pass rush, but the Lions have, have got a stocked and stacked pass rush too. What's the, is that the, the biggest strength of this Lions team? What what would you say is the biggest strength?
2: Yeah, I, I think, you know, um, you know, the reason maybe for optimism here in Detroit outside of, you know, Dan Campbell and maybe there being some buy-in is that, they are strong in the trenches on both sides of both sides of the ball, and I guess if that's in, you know, if you need to have have one area to be strong on, you know, that's a good good place to be. You know, the offensive line, three first round picks up there, uh, plus a, a second year guy in Jonah Jackson who played well last year, and Hal Vaitai at, at right guard who, you know, has had some success in the league. Didn't have a great year last year, but a solid five on, up front on offense and defensively, it's the same thing that they're deepest at the defensive line, and they have a couple pretty good outside linebackers in Romeo Okwara and Trey Flowers who you know, really their responsibility is to rush the passer. So um, it's been a couple of years since we've seen Detroit have a really stout pass rush uh, and really cause some havoc in the, the backfield. I mean, really since maybe in Sioux, you know, Ziggy Hansa, I guess, one year there. But um, I think this is the Lions' best group since then. So, yes, they should be able to get after Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, whoever is playing quarterback for, for the 49ers.
0: Yeah, so – What What is Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, how does he go about this as the week progresses and they put in their defensive game plan and, heck, as the 49ers kind of figure out what they're going to do with Trey Lance having that that finger injury, how much they want to incorporate him? um, I I guess we in the Bay Area really have no idea how exactly they're going to use Trey Lance if they're going to use them I would assume they are so I guess the the Lions have to be the same way just kind of ready for anything so how much game planning how much kind of just making things up as you go along and and adjusting on the fly do you see do you envision with that and what are the major challenges you think the the Lions defense will face when it comes to the 49ers
2: well it's funny I you know Asked a couple coaches, I guess was probably the last week of training camp, just, you know, how much have they started preparing for the 49ers? And, uh, you know, most of them said, hey, you know, we're focused on the Lions right now. We have to get better, Um, you know, that sort of thing. And and rightfully so. I mean, the Lions are are a team that really needs to work on themselves. But I think it was Aubrey Pleasant who said, hey, look, we're we're ready. You know, where he was drafted at, we know he's going to play. You know, we figure he's going to play a series, whatever it is, right? He's going to be inserted at at some point in time. So I think internally the Lions – do expect to see Trey Lance maybe the finger changes that but they will be prepared for that at the very least and obviously the the rushing element the athletic element that that he adds to that backfield adds a different dimension that the Lions defense has to prepare for so um, I think um, the Lions are expecting Jimmy G to start I think they expect that Trey Lance will will play at some point and they they are well aware that they will have to have um, maybe not two different game plans because, you know, uh, you know, this is the Kyle Shanahan offense after all, but be aware for different dimensions that the quarterbacks can bring to the table.
1: I always like getting the outside perspective, you know, we're so plugged in here in the Bay Area, and we hear all these 49er storylines all the time, but from the Detroit perspective, and even just outside of the Bay Area, what do you think is the most dangerous weapon, and it doesn't necessarily have to be an individual player, maybe even a, a position group that the 49ers possess?
2: Well, I think think it's Kittle. I mean, you know, look, the Lions have struggled with tight ends mightily in past years, covering tight ends. New scheme here, right? New coordinator. So we'll see how much better suited they are to handle those guys. But, um, you know, I I think Kittle is just an an awesome weapon to have for, for any offense. And obviously the way that Kyle uses him, um, you know, he presents a lot of problems for any defense and any sort of linebacking unit or however you want to cover him. Um, so, he, you know, he's, he's going to be a bear to cover. I mean, we all know how how well um, they run the ball in that scheme, too. And, and certainly that's something that um, I think any coach would tell you, right, stop the run first. But the most dynamic part to me is George Kittle and what he can do at that tight end position.
0: Yeah, I, I love this week one matchup because... Nobody really knows what to expect from the Lions. They didn't show a whole lot in the preseason. Nobody really knows what to expect from the 49ers. Even though there's more continuity there, there's enough moving pieces with a new defensive coordinator, a potential of a quarterback rotation. So, hey, Dave, week one should be a lot of fun. I can't wait to, to see you there and, and see how it all unfolds.
2: Yeah, no, it should be, a, should be a great start to the season. Finally, we'll have fans back, too. So uh, I'm excited to get football back playing. And look, guys, uh, I, I, I don't expect the Lions to, to win many games this year. I do think the 49ers are better. So I'm just going to throw that out there for all the fans out there that it wouldn't surprise me if, if this game uh, you know, slanted heavily in the 49ers' favor when it was all said and done.
0: But you never know, week one. never know, for sure. Yeah. Hey, Dave Thanks. Burkett, thank you so much. You got it. We'll talk to you guys again.
2: Toyota's national sales event is on. Hurry in to get $750 cash back on 2021 RAV4, Highlander, or Highlander Hybrid. It all ends Tuesday. Toyota, let's go places. Cash back is available through TMNA and must be applied to transaction. Excludes RAV4 Hybrid. Offers M9721.
0: All right, we're back on 49ers Talk. That's always good to check in with the perspective coming from the 49ers opposition. But uh, you know what? All the answers we got about the Lions, there are still a lot of questions about the 49ers coming in from the fan base, and I open it up to Twitter, Laura, to find out. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. Every now and then, we need to kind of just rely on the good folks who follow the 49ers from a fan standpoint and kind of see what they're talking about, what interests them, and today is definitely one of those days.
1: Yeah, let's get to them. We're not going to keep you waiting any longer. Let's see. At Thompson Kid 31 wants to know, uh, provided everyone stays healthy, what is the identity of this team moving forward? Is it a run-heavy or a pass-heavy team?
0: Yeah, I think the identity is play really good defense and run the ball. I, I think that that's what it is. Uh, and I think that so much of what the 49ers want from Jimmy Garoppolo and expect from Jimmy Garoppolo will be predicated on – the success that they have in in the running game. And that's going to make it easy on everybody. I don't know that there will be a game this season where Kyle Shanahan goes into it saying, we're going to throw the ball 40 times. Um, You know, this game's on you, Jimmy. I don't think that that will be the case at all. He always says he wants there to be a 50-50 split run and pass. But the fact of the matter is the game dictates how that is. And the 49ers certainly hope to control the clock and control the game and be leading games. And when a team is winning, you're always going to gravitate toward running the ball more. So I think that um, the, I think the 49ers are going to win a lot more games than they lose this season. Therefore, I think that they will be a very run heavy team.
1: Yeah. And that's what makes Kyle Shanahan's offense tick. The run game is what makes it work.
0: Absolutely, and uh, at Michael Daniel wants to know if Kyle Shanahan opts for a two quarterback rotation, how much longer until the rest of the league figures it out and game plans accordingly? I I think they're game planning for it right now.
1: Yeah, and I think the interesting thing about Kyle Shanahan and this two quarterback situation is when Kyle Shanahan has one quarterback the rest of the league has a hard time keeping up with him. Mm-hmm. So it's not something it's not just about who he's got under center. I mean, he runs a scheme that's difficult to game plan for and he and he wants to keep it that way and now when you add another wrinkle into that system, that just gives opposing teams even more on their whiteboard that they've got to try and plan for. And then in reality there you know there's just not there are things you can't plan for. He always has. I mean, how many times a season do you see something maybe like five to seven, I feel you'll see something and you're like, where did that come from? What is that? And he doesn't do it necessarily every game. He doesn't do it or maybe not as obviously every game, but you'll see things in there. You know, Kyle Shanahan has specific uh, packages That kind of wow you, I would say probably like five to seven times a year.
0: I just think they have enough answers with their offense that it's going to be the defense that's kind of scrambling on a weekly basis. I think that Trey Lance makes it an 11 on 11 game. In other words, the defense, 11 players on defense, have to account for 11 players on the 49ers offense because Trey Lance is a threat in the running game, too. Whereas Jimmy Garoppolo is probably a more polished uh, possession type of passer, more accurate with the ball. Trey Lance isn't as accurate as, you know, the 49ers expect him to be in the future, but he doesn't have to be as accurate as Garoppolo and still be successful because he can do so many different things. You know, he can, because of the threat of the run, um, receivers probably should be more wide open for Lance. So therefore the ball doesn't have to be exactly, you know, in those tight windows, but also just he has that ability to make plays with his legs. So that just gives the 49ers another element. So I I think that, I think it'll be really difficult for teams to catch up to what the 49ers are doing, because I think the 49ers will always be evolving and they have the pieces on that offense to do just that, to always be perhaps one step ahead of the opposition.
1: A couple more quarterback questions here. At Spokane 9 or 25, when do you think Lance takes over, assuming everyone remains healthy? And I think that's the big assumption, is assuming everyone remains healthy. I don't know. I don't know that yeah. there is a scenario. Okay, so there, there is a scenario where he would, even if Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy, if the 49ers start out, Oh, and seven. I think Trey Lance is going <laughs> to. You I think mean, so? I think so.
0: I don't think you would take 0 and seven for yeah. him to step in. I'm but thinking f- 0 and three.
1: Oh, really? You say 0 and three?
0: Well, it depends. If Jimmy Garoppolo is the reason they're 0 and three, then yes. And so that's,
1: that's what's hard about this question is it, it, there are so many factors.
0: Yeah. So yeah, we did but, a whole
1: podcast.
0: <laughs> yes. So the the question. From Spokane Niner is if if everybody's healthy well I'm thinking that if everybody's healthy the 49ers are going to be winning football games so I don't know that that Trey Lance would ever just take over as the starting quarterback but I do think that if Trey Lance's opportunities result in very successful plays for the 49ers that they would use him more and more you know they might use him 10 snaps a game, something like yeah, that.
1: Yeah, I don't I'm, I don't see him taking over.
0: Not if everybody's healthy and not if everybody's – if the team is winning. Right. I, I don't see that happening, but who knows? You never know. Who knows? Um, M. Richwain wants to know, could you see Jimmy getting some decent rushing yards on runs of his own this year? I think the answer to that is a big no. I mean, there might be – there might be a third and six. I where, think he's
1: remembering that third preseason game.
0: Yes. Where but Jimmy I would, got the
1: rushing touchdown. I don't think we're not – Shannon's not going to fit a, a round peg into a square hole.
0: Right. Well, it, it wouldn't be designed runs, I don't think. You know, there's not a chance that that would happen. But, I, you know what, there could be games uh, – there could be a situation every game where, you know, the defense – you know is in man coverage and the defensive backs and linebackers have their backs turned covering guys and Garoppolo has an easy you know six yard run for a first down so that could happen but it's not going to be something that the 49ers uh, put in their game plan and and kind of count on on a weekly basis now Trey Lance will be the runner Jamie Garoppolo will be the thrower
1: Another question at Francis. I hope I don't butcher your name, Ramiel. Ramiel. uh, Francis. We're going to stick with Francis. (laughs) Do you guys believe D Ford will see limited action against the Lions for precautionary reasons? Now, I did say Mm -hmm. that I think Nick Bosa is going to play a lot more. D Ford, I kind of feel the opposite way about just because there were so many questions when you're dealing with the neck and the spine. And really, up until what two months ago, three months ago, mm-hmm. the 49ers weren't even sure if they would Ooh. have them, maybe even more recently than yeah, that. Yeah, I
0: think more recently. And there was that kind of ties into another question that came from uh Chris Superman Souza like, roughly how much do you see Bosa and Ford playing 30%, 50%, 100%. I think, I think for Bosa, it's going to be north of 50%, and I think for Ford, it'll be in that 30% range. I I actually
1: agree completely. Yeah, I I think D.
0: Ford is a situational pass rusher. He will play nickel downs, but not every nickel down, because I think you already have Bosa and you have Samson Ebukam who are going to play nickel downs as well. So I think you work Ford in kind of slowly, but Bosa is an every down guy. You you want Bosa out there on – First and 10, you want him out there on third and six. You want him out there all the time. It's going to be up to Chris Kosarek and to D'Amico Ryans to kind of limit the snaps. You don't want to overwork him too soon.
1: I love this question. At faithfulRI49, what's the standard penalty for bitten kneecaps? Are there <laughs> modified knee pads 49ers players will be using to provide added protection? Of course, he's talking about, Dan Campbell's quote, I mean the quote of all quotes.
0: Yeah, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around that. And this that was at his introductory press conference when he was named <laughs> the Lions right. head coach in January and he had to comment about you know this team is going to take on the identity of Detroit of the city you know when the people of Detroit get knocked down they come back stronger than ever but the way he said it with his football players when you knock us down we're going to stand up and we're going to bite your kneecap off and then I think he even said like and then we'll bite your other kneecap off and and he just kind of went on this roll and so this will actually be the first time we see the Detroit Lions and whether they actually do bite kneecaps off. I'm kind of hoping they don't.
1: So I actually have an interesting perspective on this. You know, sometimes when you hear that stuff as a never being an NFL player and, and having been in that. Oh, I thought room, you
0: were gonna say never having been a cannibal and oh, wanting to no. eat people's kneecaps. I'm,
1: I'm not that either. But I was talking with some, some former players and they all had the same reaction. They were all like, that doesn't work. That doesn't Uh, work in the NFL anymore. So I thought that was really interesting because you tend to think some of this like, blah, hoorah stuff works. but They all, all the former players had the same reaction that that, that doesn't work. I guess we'll find out in the season.
0: Yeah, and I'm not sure. And I think uh, it would probably be uh, an ejection from the game if somebody actually did bite a kneecap off. Anyway, um, CJ Niners uh, wants to know, what is it that John and Kyle see in Jalen Hurd for him to survive the 53-man cut? And my answer to that is the same thing they saw in 2019 when they drafted him in the third round. They see a guy who is big. They see a guy who has position flexibility. They see a wide receiver that is unlike any other player they have on their team. And so you when we talked about uh, how teams are going to you know adjust to the 49ers and they're gonna kind of figure them out. What the 49ers want are more options, you know, more guys who have that versatility to do different things. Now, Jalen Hurd is um, he's he's an interesting guy. He doesn't seem to be really all that involved in the team dynamic uh, which is okay if you're a good player. Now he's got to prove that he's a good player and he hasn't done that because he's missed his entire first two seasons in the NFL. One with a stress fracture in his back last year with a torn ACL and he's had a very difficult time practicing on a daily basis staying healthy. So Uh, I think the 49ers, what I understood was that there were some teams around the league that loved Jalen Hurd, including the Carolina Panthers, and the 49ers felt like if they were to put him out there on waivers, that they would have no opportunity to bring him back to the practice squad, that they were going to lose him. So I think they just want to keep it alive, just kind of give him a chance and kind of make sure that this whole thing runs its course before they before they put him out there uh, meaning before they in uh, this this experiment or whatever you want to call it but he's a talented guy and they just the thought of them losing him to another team and then him going to another team and doing the things that they envisioned him doing for them that was just too much so that's why they kept him
1: yeah John Lynch was actually asked this exact question and he praised his special skills. He said he's got unique skills and a variety of them. He said he's got a lot of versatility to his game. He knows it. We know it. Now he did wrap up by saying this, you have to show Uh that you can be dependable. And that's one thing that he hasn't been able to do with the back injury and the ACL. So as long as he can show that he's dependable, he could potentially have a really big role with the 49ers.
0: Yeah, but he hasn't shown that at all yet Um, the last question comes from wise guy insider is Aaron Banks activated and healthy for week one I don't think so Um, I think actually Aaron Banks the second round draft pick from Notre Dame guard I don't think he's going to be active this year unless there's an injury I just I don't think he's one of the team's top eight linemen at this point you have your starters I think Jake Brindle will be the backup center I think if something were to happen to Alex Mack they wouldn't move Brunskill inside I think they would go or inside the center I think they would keep him a right guard I think Brindle is the backup center Uh, you have Tom Compton as the backup guard on both sides and then Jalen Moore the rookie is the backup tackle so I'm not sure Aaron Banks is a, a what I've seen he wasn't He didn't appear to be a good fit for the 49 er system. I think he has a lot of work to do. So that's why I don't expect him to be a factor, even as a backup here, at least early in the season.
1: Well, thanks everybody for the questions. Those are good questions. They rescued us. Yeah. I've got um, a big announcement for everyone. Oh, really? Oh my goodness! Yeah. What's the announcement? yeah, Yeah. Yeah. This is exciting. So we've got our television crew set up for our 49ers coverage all season long as you all know Joe Staley is going to be a part of that but it'll be me Joe Staley Dante Whitner. he's returning and then Takiyo Spikes also returning but last year due to COVID he was remote and so he's going to be in studio with us we will be at Levi Stadium for home games and my boss might kill me for saying this because I don't know that it's set in stone but I'm going to say it anyway near the Dwight Clark statue. That's where we're hoping to do our pre and post game coverage. So if you're at Levi Stadium, we want you to come say hi. We're going to have the whole crew there. And we're so excited to be back out at Levi Stadium. And I'm honestly, I'm, I'm really excited about, about this crew. We, we've got our season preview show. You can check your listing on NBC Sports Bay Area. To see it's going to be running up until the week one game. So you can check that out. Matt was a part of that with me and Joe and Dante and Takeo, but I'm super pumped. It's yeah, a really it good fun. crew. Really good yeah. crew.
0: And then our pregame show airs one hour before kickoff. Our postgame show begins right after the game. So check us out on NBC Area.com all season long for all your 49ers coverage.